Sacktown Sports. Headlines. I'm Simone with your Sacktown Sports headlines. Sacramento Kings wasted no time over the weekend pursuing EuroLeague MVP and Olympiaco star Sasha Vinchenkov. Sacramento has officially offered Vinchenkov an NBA contract worth part of their 12.4 million mid-level exception after clearing significant cap space last week by trading center Rashawn Holmes and the 24th pick to the Mavericks. Speaking of assets, the Atlanta Hawks are sending John Collins to the Utah Jazz, sources told ESPN on Monday. The trade creates a $25 million trade exception for the Hawks, the largest in the NBA. The Hawks are acquiring Rudy Gay and a future second-round pick for Collins. Atlanta has a year to potentially exercise the exception, and the trade cannot become finalized until next Thursday. I'm Simone. Those are your Sacktown Sports headlines. It's 5 o'clock. That means we got the top spot coming at you right now on Cattles and Rami. Did you miss the headline and the top story of the day? Extra, extra. Read all about it. Don't worry, because we got you covered. This is how we do. It's the Cattles and Rami. Top spot. Fourth and final hour of the radio program today, and I know I'm biased, but I would say, good show. Good show three hours in. You're going to stop at good? Fantastic show. Great show. Unbelievable show. Send it Maybe to the, the Hall best of Fame. radio show that has ever been done in the history <laughs> of radio. That, I don't think that's exaggerated at all. And we also cannot overlook the fact that we have Kyle working on the show today, and when you have a... As good of a show as we've had so far today with Kyle as your producer, Saying you're something. really accomplishing something. Yep. I mean, he's all hands-on right now. Yeah. Especially that giant hand. You missed yeah. the joke, but yeah. yes. No, I got no, the joke. No, got yeah, the joke. no one liked that, though. Okay. No, Simone missed it. the joke. All right, let's move on, shall we? Sasha Vizankov. Had a good show going. <laughs> I know, until that just happened. <laughs> Sasha Vizankov. Uh, lots of talk about <laughs> Sasha and uh, what his future may be. Is he going to be a Sacramento King? Well, there's a report coming out of Greece over the weekend that the Kings have offered Vizankov a contract. So no more speculation that they have actually offered him a deal. And in the story, it talks about Vizankov making slightly less than Keegan Murray's $8.4 million or whatever. And, and I read that as the room exception, and we're not going to go over all the exceptions and stuff because I know a lot of people, your eyes will I didn't know there was such over. a thing as a room exception. Yeah. I have I, no idea. I don't want anybody to kind of get lost and end up driving off the road and hitting a tree or anything dramatic. So uh, there are different exceptions in the NBA. It depends if you're a salary cap team, if you're a space team, if all that stuff. Luxury tax, second tax, blah, blah, blah. And so the Kings, the trade, Rashawn Holmes – and the 24th pick on draft night opened up a good amount of cap space. And it put the Kings in the category of a team that can now operate under the cap. And so that means you get the room exception, which is $7.7 million. So I think that's what we're looking at. Rami, we don't have a problem with this, do we? I will take that. I'll take Sasha Bezenkov at under $8 million. Nick, we thought it was going to take 10 to $12 million yeah. to get him based on previous reports. That to make it worth his while to move his his whole life, his world across the globe and come play in the NBA with unfinished business yet over in the Euro League, that it would it would take somewhere in the ten to twelve million dollar range for him to actually net that five million dollars he was looking to net to make it worth his while. If you can get him at under eight, great. And I don't know if this I don't know if this means that, you know, they 
they've talked and they know this is a price tag that he'll agree to, or if they're just telling him, hey, we understand that you want to you want to make in the ten to twelve million dollar range in net five, but uh, here's what we're willing to give you. Right. You know what I mean? And and if if you don't want if this isn't enough for you, well then we we can go in a different direction. We have thirty five million dollars in cap space to work with. If you can make it happen. I, I think uh, I think you 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 go ahead and and take this and run with it in this offseason, along with the the money you freed up with the Rashawn Holmes trade, just got a little bit better if you can get Sasha Bezankov at under eight million dollars. Yeah, so to, to try to keep this as simple as possible with all the the cap stuff and CBA stuff, you can add a Bezankov and you still have all the cap space. So if you renounce, if you wave goodbye to Harrison Barnes. You have about thirty-five and a half million under the cap so far, right? That that's what you're looking at. So, with about thirty-five and a half million, you can go out and you could sign two more guys. You could sign one big guy. You can trade for one big guy and not have to give up a bunch of cap space and a bunch of money to match the deal because you have that cap space to take the contract in. So there's just a ton of options for Monty McNair as we get ready for free agency hitting on Friday. And a lot of the names that we've talked about, Rami, in the past, and, and I've said, oh, that's unlikely. That's not going to happen. You don't have the cap to do that. You don't. Well, now you do. Now you do. You, you don't have to ship out Fox or Sabonis to add a $30 million player because you have the space to do that. So that trade was just huge on draft night. It creates so many different options. They also have the $12 million player exception, the traded player exception. They call it the TPE. They've got that from Dallas. So there are just a, a ton, ton of options for Monty. So you can add Vizankov, and you could still add two other significant names at you know fifteen to eighteen million apiece. Draymond Green, you can yeah you can add one big name like a Draymond Green at thirty million. So there's a lot of options here. Uh, personally, I would not want to trade for. I mean, add Draymond Green. I would not be interested in that. I don't think he's a great fit. But one guy, Rami, people thought could be a, a big fit and a, and a great fit here for the Kings. Somebody that got traded. We, we've heard a lot about John Collins. Atlanta has been just trying to trade John Collins for the last three years. And finally, they got that done today. John Collins goes to Utah, and Utah had to give up almost nothing. Rudy Gay, which is like, I think, a $6.5 million contract, somewhere around that range. So Rudy Gay and a second-round pick. This was a salary dump. That's what Atlanta did. And John Collins goes to the West, and this isn't the best news for the Kings. Um, because, look, I'm not telling you that Utah is going to be a top three team in the West. They're the team to beat now. But, <laughs> overreaction Monday by Rami there. <laughs> but, I mean, Larry Markin at the two, come on. <laughs> they added They added John Collins and gave up nothing. And so now Utah has Collins... And Kessler, and they also have Laurie Marketing at the 3-4-5. That's a big athletic front line. And Utah had a pretty good year a year ago. And you know Danny Ainge. He's got a billion draft picks. He's got some other contracts that are tradable. Like, you know, I would not be surprised if Colin Sexton is on the block. They have a lot of things they can still do this offseason. They still have 25-plus million in cap space. Utah all of a sudden is a pretty scary team, Rami. And the fact that they took Collins from an East team 
That's not good for you. You want as much talent as possible to go east, not come west. Right. And and if if a team is adding, you'd you'd prefer they're they're poaching off another Western Conference contender right. or playoff team, so it's at least hurting one of your opponents. But Nick, I I don't worry too much still about the Utah Jazz. I, I'm I, I I would still have the Kings slotted ahead of them in in my Western Conference power rankings. My first my first thought when looking at this trade was that's it. That's all they had to give up for him. And all this time, all these rumors we've heard about the Sacramento Kings and their interest in John Collins, and that's all it took was Rudy Gay? You're, that's probably Kessler Edwards off the Kings roster if they if they were really interested in, in bringing John Collins over here. So that tells me that either previous interest in, in him was, was greatly exaggerated or... They've set their sights on bigger things. They've yeah. moved on to bigger and better things yeah. in terms of who and what they're looking to add to this basketball teams. And John Collins just ain't good enough anymore for Monty McNair and the Sacramento Kings. If you start to put this together, you go to draft night and you make the trade you made. You created that cap space for a reason. I have to imagine Monty has ideas of what he could possibly trade for, what he could possibly sign via free agency. He has to have an idea. He has to know why he wanted to create that space. You you have that, and then you combine that with what you just said, Rami. The idea that John Collins went for all intents and purposes for a ham sandwich, and you decided to pass on Collins. Monty McNair is handling things right now like a GM who knows something big is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Whether that something big is one player or two players or an assortment of players, Monty passing up Collins for that price, the fact that he made that trade on draft night, should lead us all to believe that Monty has something up his sleeve. And he's very confident that it's going to work out. We don't know what that is. Is it Kuzma? Is it Draymond Green? Is it a name that we haven't even talked about? We have no idea. But those actions tell you something. Those actions tell you that Monty has a plan and that plan is going to be significant because he's not just doing these things for no good reason. Mm-hmm. This is a third, you know, third team in the Western Conference this year, almost won 50 games. And if you had a healthy De'Aaron Fox at times and Domas didn't have a broken hand, maybe you do finish with 50 wins or more this past season. A lot of those teams, you saw it in the draft, a lot of those teams ended up either drafting guys in the mid to late first round or collecting second round picks and drafting guys in the second round. They wanted to add, you know, mature college players to the bench. Monty, look, Kobe Jones, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I really did. I, I wasn't on the show Friday, obviously. Couldn't react. I love the pick. But he's acting as a GM who is is about to make a big swing. And so I think it, it wouldn't be out of pocket. It wouldn't be setting us up to be disappointed to say we all should be ready for something significant by Friday. I think it would be stunning if we did not see Monty do something significant by Friday. So you think it's you're we're not going to have to sit around and wait for it. They're I don't gonna think be so. one of the first teams to strike. Yeah. Okay. Because they they they've they've got the third most cap space after this trade of Collins to Utah. The fact is, Monty can walk on. He can walk into that room and drop the third biggest bag on that table and say, "You want it or not." And if you don't want it, we're moving along. We're gonna we're gonna pivot and go somewhere else. Yeah. 
So they're in the room. Not many teams are in the room. Kings are in the room. So I, I, I would imagine, and look, maybe it doesn't happen on Friday. I hope it happens on Friday because that would be a fun show. But would be. if it doesn't happen on Friday, it's going to happen in short order. But I think all of the stuff, if we're reading the tea leaves, if we're trying to figure out what Monty's doing here, all of it should lead us to the idea that something significant is going to happen here for the Kings. I don't think it might end up being HB because, hey, Monty took the swing, but it has to work for both sides. I was going to say, folks right? are going to be disappointed if the big news Friday is HB is back, baby. We're running this thing back. Not if Monty went after it. Like, if you could, you they could want to acquire OG Ananobi as bad as they want if the Raptors are being difficult, right. which, according to reports that I've read, Masai Ujiri is being very difficult to deal with when it comes to Siakam and, and Ananobi. He's like, give me everything you have or I'm not going to trade this guy to you. You can try. Like, Monty can try all that he can try. But at the end of the day, if, if the other side is not reciprocating that and wants to join, if Monty wants to go after, you know, a big free agent, that free agent's like, you know what, I, I, I like that city, I like that team more than the Kings, Monty can't force him to make that decision. But by the way Monty has has acted here the last week or so, it should tell you he's got his ducks in a row to do something big. And so I think it would make sense for us to be prepared for something big to happen. All right, your thoughts on everything. We just covered a whole lot. Collins trade, Vizankov getting offered uh, just slightly less than Keegan Murray. I'm having trouble focusing because the disc disc dog challenge is up on one of our TVs. It's a really difficult thing to say. These are the best athletes in the world. The disc dog. I'm happy you said disc. challenge, yes. Disc dog. Yes. uh, Don't worry. All he was saying is the Kings are going to trade for Kelly Olenek. So, uh, your thoughts? Look at this guy. Not a bad name. Go up and get it. You're high pointing that thing. He is high pointing the frisbee, right? isn't he? Isn't he? He high pointed that frisbee. He dropped one early in his run. That was really easy. Really, really easy. Had me wondering about him. He's got a good mouth. Oh, so like good hands. He's got a good mouth. Settle down back there, Rickford. Settle down. I didn't do anything. Hmm. All right, we'll continue to talk Kings with all of you coming up in 90 seconds. Cattles and Ronnie. Cattles and Ronnie. Cattles and Ronnie. Sacktown Sports. All right, let's give away some tickets here before I forget. Folsom Lake Honda Contest Line. Your chance to win a couple tickets. 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140 to go check out Mike Epps. Hard Rock Casino Live, November 10th. You want to hit the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline right now for your chance to win. Let's uh, look for lucky caller number seven. Lucky number seven. Caller number seven to that Folsom Lake Honda Hotline slash contest line wins the tickets to go see Mike Epps in November at the Hard Rock. Do stand up. It's 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140. Congratulations to caller number seven. I don't know if I've seen Mike Epps do stand up or not. I have not. 
I mean, I've seen his specials, but not. I don't know if I've seen him in person. Friday, I'm going to go see Bill Burr. Nice. I know. That's excited huge. for you. That's Very excited. That's my favorite. He's just my favorite. He's like right at 10 minutes down the road. Maybe at beautiful. Thunder Valley. That's a beautiful thing. 10 minutes down the road from where you grew up. Well, that was funny. You see what he did there because of the whole New England thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boston. Really? <laughs> uh, originally from Rhode Island, actually. But no. I digress. You know, you or Bill all, Burr? It's not all both. just one big area. You know what I mean? Uh, no, Bill's from Mass. I thought everything north of New Jersey <laughs> is Massachusetts. Is Boston. Yeah, Rhode Island doesn't exist. It's all just, we don't we don't exist. It's all just Boston. Yeah, I've never been east of Ohio, so it's all the same to me. All right, let's uh, let's jump through some of this reaction because we got a lot of reaction. We got some questions, Rami. Uh, YouTube, of course, YouTube.com, Sacktown Sports, eleven forty. You can text us as always nine one six three three nine eleven forty is that text line. Uh, Epic Airbees says, with the new CBA and cap space issues, does it become a big two and medium one? Just asking. This is an interesting question from Epic, and it's something I I wanted to mention about John Collins and this idea of, you know, why it didn't take too much for the Jazz to trade for Collins. Uh, We're going to see a lot of teams, Rami, and we've talked about this since the end of the year. This new CBA is going to cause headaches, and the new CBA is a big reason as to why many of these moves that we're going to see and have seen, they're going to be pulled, you know, they're going to be pulled off by these teams because I don't think – the years of stacking up, you know, 20 plus million dollar contracts, I don't think that's what you're going to see in future years. I don't think you're going to see many teams go the big three route. And when they go the big three route, I think the window was going to be very small. I'll give you an example. Last week I wasn't on, and the Celtics made a trade, right? And they brought in Chris Stapps Porzingis. And so now the Celtics have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Chris Stapps Porzingis. And the rumor is that the Celtics are going to give. Porzingis an extension. I would imagine that's going to be a two-year extension. And what they're going to do is they're going to stagger the contracts. And they're going to have Jalen Brown sign a Supermax that doesn't kick in until next offseason. They're going to have Chris Stapps on a, a new extension he signs that doesn't kick in until next season. Jason Tatum will sign his Supermax deal. That won't kick in until two summers from now. And what they're going to do, likely, is they're going to stagger these contracts and they'll be able to turn around and pivot and move Chris Stapps Porzingis on his expiring contract or move Jalen Brown on his Supermax. They have some fluidity there by the way they're structuring these deals. But teams, they're not going to hold on to three gigantic salaries for three, four, five years. It's not going to happen. It's just, and what I mean by gigantic salaries is anybody that's really like over $30 million, $35 million. Unless they're in the middle of winning championships. Right, like, like maybe Denver keeps running it back. Sure, because if this thing works in Phoenix. They, they they might they might you know spend spend all the world's money to keep those guys together. But unless it's really really working, Nick, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think these teams are gonna get are gonna get too too tied down with with contracts for these big threes for right. for four five six years at a time. I, I don't think you're gonna see that happen. So, you know, John Collins at 25.3 million this year, 26.5 next year. That's a big contract. And Atlanta's already dealing with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella and so you're going to see a lot of these moves, man. The, the easiest way I could possibly describe it is 
do not get used to anybody being on your team for more than like two years unless that guy is seen as a top five to ten player. We're going to see. You think there's been a lot of movement in the NBA over the past decade, two decades? Just wait. The, we're talking two-year clips now. That's what you're, that's what you're going to see. Two-year windows, two to three, three years max for a lot of these teams. You're going to have big contracts on the books for two years, and then w- what do we have to move now so we don't get punished because of these new CBA rules? And that's what the NBA wanted. The NBA wanted less super teams, less teams like the Clippers that are just going to take on money, the Lakers that are just going to take on money, the Celtics to a point, just take on money. Golden State. Golden State. Take on on tons of money. And so I think that's why Dunleavy made the deal, whether you like it or not. And I wasn't a big fan of the CP3 trade for the Warriors. But that that's the argument, I think, for Dunleavy. Because he's looking at this and saying, we got a two-year window. This is it. Steph's 35. Clay's been through you know multiple surgeries. Draymond's 33. If they bring Draymond back, this is a two-year run. That's it. And then they'll start trying to shed those contracts. They'll try to shed Draymond. They'll try to shed Chris Paul. They'll try to shed Clay Thompson. I think they'll retire Steph. Mm-hmm. But they'll try to shed all those other big contracts and just, you know, flip it around and say we're resetting. And you're going to see a lot of teams do that. A lot of teams. That's the new NBA. And I think you're going to see big contracts go just for the sake of trading big contracts. With quality players. Yeah. Like the the John Collins, good. He's not the, great. But he's the, good. The Rashawn Holmes of the world. That's been happening for a long time. Where a guy, where a guy is not playing up to his contract, and you just look for a team to take it off your hands to to free up some cap space for you, package it with a first round pick or something like that. But the Bradley Beal type of deals, where people are looking at it and going, "That's all you got." The John Collins type of deals, where people are looking at it and the assets you got in return and going, "That's all you got." Well, yeah, they got that. They also got some financial relief and either under some to get under some sort of luxury tax or to get under the cap altogether and free up some money to bring in some other guys. And you're going to see teams, you're going to see teams angle for second round picks. Yep. It's already started because what's happening is the new, again, the new punishments in the CBA, the CBA that's going to hit, those late first round picks have less value than top of the second round picks because top of the second round picks, you don't have to guarantee a thing. You can sign those guys two-way deals. You now can get three two-way deals in the NBA instead of two. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of teams stockpile second round picks because especially second round picks that they think could fall in the top 10 or 15 of that round, the top half of that round. And that's why I think you saw, uh, for example, the Celtics did that where it was like all of a sudden it was Brad Stevens became Bill Belichick and he kept trading down in the second round and picking up second round picks because the second round picks are going to have a lot of value moving forward. And to, to your point, Rami, let's say a team like the Celtics or somebody else, Malcolm Brogdon, for example, say if they want to move on from that contract, he's making $22 million the next two years, right, each year. Well, now you attach a second round pick to move Brogdon's contract. Right. You're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of that. If we can get Kuzma in a solid backup center like Pirtle, then I'm in. Well, Pirtle's not a backup center. He's He's starting. He's starting for somebody. He'll end up probably Somewhere. staying in Toronto, I yeah. would think. Uh, Kuzma, I already I already shared my thoughts on Kuzma. Not in love with him. Go back and check it out. YouTube.com slash Sacktown Yes. SacktownSports.com podcast page. Or the app. It's free. All right. We'll keep uh, talking Kings in the NBA offseason with Keith Smith on the callback next. I'm going to light up these phone lines. The phone is ringing. And we are checking to see who's on the line. Long time listener, first time caller. News, gossip, a story. 
Okay, who's the next victim? It's the callback on Cattles and Rami. All right, our friend uh, Keith Smith joined us from Spa Track earlier today. He was, of course, as all guests are, on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, you're one-stop you're Honda one shop. Stop Honda shop. Jesus. <laughs> Where were you, Simone? <laughs> Texting about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah I see uh, Simone and, and Rami. Their, their thumbs are very busy today during breaks. <laughs> we're Do trying I- to coordinate this... Uh- yeah, it's I have a feeling. Bike. Am I going to just walk into like a 50 text group Possibly. chat? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. When I get out of here? Yeah. I've already turned off notifications on that group chat. All right, so Keith Smith. It's rude. Cut. Again, joined us a little bit earlier on the show, and uh, we asked Keith Smith his thoughts on this John Collins to Utah Jazz trade. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out from the Jazz's side. They've obviously got uh, one of the bigger front courts. They've got Walker Kessler and Laurie Markinen, and you're adding John Collins to that group. I know some people have thought it's weird, you know, with Markinen already there, but he has mostly played the three the last two seasons between Cleveland and Utah, and that's what they envision him as. So they're going to have a very big front line, pretty good front line, too, especially if Collins can rediscover his shot. Uh, he, he shot well his first five years and then really fell off last year after a finger injury. So that gets right, and his shot comes back. That's going to be a really nice pickup for the Jazz, who still have about $28 million in cap space to spend even after acquiring Collins. Danny Ainge, he's really, I think, writing the book on how to quickly turn over from a team that had Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell to a younger team with tons of assets and options. And a lot of people thought this was going to be like a a serious tank. To, uh, Nick, It'd be that, like a six-year rebuild or something, Yeah, right? that we, we wouldn't see this team back to relevance for at least a good three or four years. You know, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. they were more competitive than, than just about anybody expected last year. And add John Collins to that and still a bevy of first-round picks here over the next handful of years, that's... He's he he turned that thing around awfully awfully quick. He's got thirty million in cap space. I know Keith Smith's at around twenty eight, but look, you can shed a contract and get to thirty quickly. He's got thirty million in cap space. He's got I don't know seven hundred and thirty five first round picks over the next six or seven years, and he already has Laurie Markkinen, who really stepped up this last season and looked like a different guy entering into his prime. Collins is still young, and I think he's a good player. Kessler was really good his rookie season. He's got three active bigs. He's building something there. Mm-hmm. And I I just, Utah has a lot of momentum behind it right now. A lot of people love the ownership group. You got Ainge making these moves and setting things up. They're a fun team to watch on the floor. Lots going on in Utah, man. And uh, that was, look, that's a no-risk trade for them. They didn't really give up anything. Rudy gained a second-round pick. Uh, Continuing with our friend Keith Smith, how unique is it for a playoff team like the Kings to have, I don't know, almost $36 million in cap space, Keith? Yeah, it's pretty unusual. Normally that happens if some young team comes to prominence way earlier than expected, and it's a team that's like loaded down with rookie-scale contracts and the like. Then we'll see that every once in a while. Boston got there a few years back. Um, where, where they had a bunch of cap space, and it was because they just didn't have any long-term big salaries on their books. So for the Kings to be there. Now, to be clear, 
to get to that number, it means renouncing Harrison Barnes. And we'll find out, you know, are they going to, you know, do that? Are they not going to do that? You know, what's that going to going to look like? Are they going to bring him back on a lower number and still have money to spend? We'll find that all out here over the last couple of days. But what I've been saying to everybody is, you don't just move Rashawn Holmes just to move him with the idea of, you know, or let me rephrase, without the idea of something you might be able to do, you know, by creating that kind of cap space. So that's going to be what's really interesting to see what the Kings have planned here over the next several days. It's what we've been talking about, Rami. You know, that was my first thought when that deal was made uh, on draft night. You don't make that trade if you're Monty unless you're looking at the chessboard and you know that you got some moves ahead of you. Yeah, I, I think he's he's got a plan. Now, whether or not... How, how set in stone those plans are, how much the other people involved in those plans yeah. know that they're involved in those plans and have kind of given the, the the old wink, wink, nod, nod to Monty McNair about what's going to happen on Friday. I don't know, man. I, I hope they don't get left holding the bag, Nick. You know what I mean? I hope that whatever plan this is that Monty has, that it comes together quickly and you're not sitting there watching free agents fall off the board and 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 the Kings are looking at their fourth, fifth, sixth option as as far as what they wanted to do this offseason. Speaking of options, what about Draymond Green? Here's Keith Smith on that idea. I mean, I get it, right? And that happens every year at this time of year. People start looking for, oh, you know, his old coach is there, or an owner, or a GM, or, you know, teammates, or his you know, best friend from kindergarten is playing <laughs> on that team and those kind of things. And it's, sometimes there's truth to it, right? Sometimes we do see guys follow people to other teams, but then other times we land in a spot where that doesn't really, it's not really a thing, right? Where where these guys are, you know, kind of in a spot where it's like, yeah, you know, hey, it's, you know, better off where I am. I tend to think Draymond Green, he was always going to opt out because he, at the end of the day, he wants to add more years and guaranteed money to his contract. And I tend to think he's going to look at it with the Warriors and say to himself, you know, hey, my best bet is to just keep this thing running. The Warriors are going to do the same. My guess is it ends up a three-year contract to align him with Stephen Curry, and then they both get, you know, chase, chase titles right to the end together. I agree with Keith. I think all of this Draymond Green talk is Draymond's camp doing a great job of trying to build leverage and build his price up. I think that's what it is. He's going to end up back in Golden State. He's going to retire with Steph. I just, I don't see it. If there's if there's one team that you go after when you talk about leverage and you try to put the pressure on Mike Dunleavy, the new GM there, with the Warriors, it's the Kings. It makes all the sense in the world. Mike Brown connection, you just played them in the first round and the Kings pushed it to seven games. Could have easily won that series if it went, you know, a certain way here and there. And uh, it's a quick drive up the road for Draymond, so he doesn't have to uproot his entire life. You use that to try to force the Warriors into paying him a little bit more money. Maybe the Warriors are set at 25, maybe Draymond wants 30. He came out and said he thinks he's worth $100 million. So do I. Of course he. By the way, yeah. I thought you did. I thought you'd go like two fifty. No, I'm. Why stop at a hunch? Because I'm reasonable, Nick. Oh, are you? Yes. Not crazy. Uh, if you want to roll with that, okay. Hundred million. I don't know if I'd agree. Hundred seems fair. You know. Yeah. I'm, if nothing else, fair. Well, there you go, Keith Smith from Spa Track, joining us earlier on the program. Folsom Lake Hana Hotline. As always, our guests join us from there. 
One stop Honda shop. Text line 916-339-1140. DeAndre Hunter, Rami, interested? No, not really. I was so much more interested in DeAndre Hunter like two years ago than I yeah. am right now. I feel like the uh, the bloom's off the row, so to speak, with DeAndre. A lot of injuries. Never really has come to fruition as a player that you thought he would. I love them at UVA. I thought he was going to be really good, but he just hasn't become that guy. I'm not super excited about DeAndre. No. You tell me what you give up. You know, I'll have the conversation. I'll pick up the phone. I'll have the conversation. I don't even know if I'm picking up the phone. So you wouldn't flip Kevin Herter for DeAndre Hunter? No. Okay. No, thank you. Davion Mitchell? No. Then, yeah, we're not picking up the phone. Davion Mitchell, yes. Davion and, uh, let's say, a couple second-round picks. I'd go go Davion Mitchell. A couple second-round picks. I'd do that. Really? Um, Maybe we have to throw in P.J. Dozier's contract or something. I don't know. I just looked up his deal. I thought he was a little under $20 million, but he's he's at $20 million this year, and then he goes to 21 23 and then 25 Hmm. I'm passing. That's tough. Yeah, I'm passing. No, thank you. So with the trade exception, they can move Davion Mitchell, P.J. Dozier, if they guarantee his contract and draft picks. You're not doing that? That was a lot for me to follow. <laughs> Davion, Davion Mitchell and a couple second-round picks. No. No, I'm good. All right, we'll uh, continue with more King's Thoughts, get to some more of your reaction. Also, a difficult life question that I have for Rami. Oh. Up next. With you one mile at a time during the afternoon drive. Cattles and Rami. Sacktown Sports. All right, let's get to uh, some King's reaction, and then I'll have a question for Rami. Is that a major life question? A difficult life question. I'm the person you're coming to for that? Uh, I'm going to ask you if you would be able to do something. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so first, text line 916-339-1140. Kings talk, run it back. I actually like that. Then use the assets and cap space to retool at the deadline. Our friend JJ would not agree. Nah. I'm good. There's so much that can happen from now until the deadline. Eight months. A lot can happen in eight days, let alone eight months. Yeah. You have no idea what this team is going to look like the first half of the season. Use it now. Text line, the more experienced, stable, and stronger. Talking about uh, the rider always goes on the front of a tandem bicycle. To answer our question earlier, Rami. All right. Apparently, Brian Cardicelli is a big uh, cycling guy. Makes sense. Any Ryan Cardicelli here? Any cycling questions? Hit me up. Yeah, why do cyclists think they own the road, Brian? <laughs> Vehemently disagree. What? <laughs> cyclists don't think they own the road. There is no space for cyclists right. on the road. I agree. I'm with you, Y'all Kyle. keep pushing us off the road onto the sidewalk. You live it's in ridiculous. California. Don't even get me started. Every road in California has a bike lane. You don't know how good you got it out here. I could not stand you if you were in New England. Oh, my God. Kyle in New England would be the worst Kyle. They hate bikes over in New England? New England Kyle would be even more insufferable. (laughs) Why? 
I, I kind of understand This whole it. bike lane everywhere is a California thing. I'm just telling you. Okay, It's a beautiful thing. I think it's a good thing. I'm with it. I don't like how some cyclists believe By the way, they have that they're a car. I don't, okay? think I don't think it's a West Coast thing specifically. Chicago has plenty of bike lanes. Just telling you. Yeah. How are we going to make a left turn? California it- has a bike lane everywhere. I'm not against bike lanes. I'm against, like, I had this guy. He literally. This guy. He literally on his bicycle just crosses a main road. Just like in front of me. Like, he owns the road, like, because he's on a bike. Got places to be, man. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I have a car. I have a truck, okay? If it's not a bike lane, the truck has the right of way. You are on a bicycle. Stop trying to do too much on your bike. You're too much? Is that what you're saying? Stick to your bike lane. Travel safely? Stick to your bike lane, okay? Get out of my way. Stick to That's why they have bike lanes. I still don't know who you're complaining and to. If you're gonna, mean, if you're going to cross. But if they need to make a left turn, they have to get out of their bike exactly. lane. Exactly. Get, into, to make the get left to turn. the crosswalk and take your left. Don't. See? Nope. That's, that's not the right way to go about it. Bicycle. So you just cross a main road? On your bicycle like this dude did? Bicyclists have just as much of a right of way. It's a bike! Oh, my God. They don't have just as much. It's a bike. I'm staying out of this. I got in trouble last With time. With your little tight suits and, and, and helmets on. Oh, boy. Yeah, I said I don't think Simone. I don't think me and Jason <laughs> Ross are out here on the bikes. I don't think we're... We're big bike guys, but I don't think we're doing the whole outfit or anything like that. I'm saying there's a certain, and it's not every bike person, okay? Don't don't take it personal. There are certain bike people that really act pompously because they're on the bike. And they think that you're supposed to stop your car or vehicle because they're on a bike. And that's not true. And that is not true. If you cut me off of your bicycle and I hit you with my truck, that's on you. Pick your butt off the pavement and deal with it. I don't know. Don't if cut that's... off a truck with your bicycle. It's true. Should be careful. You can't that. pass a main road, Kyle. Whenever you want on a bicycle, what are we doing here? I don't. I'm not saying whenever I want. Well, that's what I'm telling you. You can't just go right across a main road. La di da di da. That's why. They, that's why they have bike lanes. They have a turn signal on. Stick to yeah. your bike lane. Do you they hate pedestrians as well? No, because they use crosswalks. They're fine. They use the sidewalk. They're not in the. They're not in traffic. Just not, you don't have people just what do I get irritated by people that just decide to walk across a main road? Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. That believe that's traffic is just gonna stop for them? Yes. By the way, is the naked bike ride a thing in Sacramento? Excuse why me? are we asking this? why did that take that left? Because it's been a thing. What are you talking I've, about? It's been a thing. It's not in my life. A naked bike ride naked. thing is a thing now? What I'm not aware of this. <laughs> All right. Me either. I'm and I've grown up here, yeah. It's a you, thing. It's 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 a thing that's popped up in numerous cities around this time of year and summertime. You know, and there are large groups of no. There's not large naked groups. people. Yeah, there's there. swaths Sam, of naked people on yes. bicycles. Check yes. your email, Rami. It's, I, I'm sure it's somewhere in there. Get I think San Francisco this. has you're, a naked you're, you're bike ridiculous. ride. I'm serious. You stop it. I swear to God, I'm putting it in the group chat right now. I'm gonna Google. Naked. I'm telling you right now, if you're calling, our phones are blowing up yeah, right if now. If you're calling to argue me about bikes, uh, save your breath. We've lost Rami for the rest of the show. Okay. No, he's just going to be go, trying to Google this. Go meet with oh. the naked bicyclists and, and hold hands <laughs> around a fire and have yeah, some s'mores. Yeah, don't look that up on a work computer, Rami. <laughs> 
It's a legit thing here. Yeah, but the website's exactly. blocked because you're exactly. on our station yes. Wi-Fi. I can't believe the kid has to tell you that, Rami. Please. Simone, what you said earlier in the show should disqualify you in saying anything. My, the... Yeah, you know what okay. you said. All right. Didn't you have a serious life matter you wanted to run by me before we were... Not as serious as naked people on bikes, apparently. I just, showed it, I just shared it on the group chat. Yes, the most serious of topics. <laughs> a lot of pictures in there. Don't want to see. Why would you even send it to us? What do you? Why? why? Nothing graphic or lewd. And just because you ride a bicycle doesn't mean you're in shape. Can Everything we get? Can from we get the this, waist up? Like if you look at this this naked bike ride. Look, if you're just because you're on a bicycle and you do something that has activity doesn't mean that you're on. shredded. Yeah, put okay? a shirt on. I'm what do we? What, what, put a blanket on or something. Do. But then it wouldn't be the naked bike ride. Well, yes. Okay. I have questions, yeah, but I guess I'll save it for tomorrow. Just things are just hanging off and just sitting where they fall. I've never done it. Okay. Just okay. tell you I've seen it. Never done it, not going to do it, don't want to do it. Don't want to see it, don't want to hear it, don't want to do anything about it. Once had a, uh, a baseball game stopped in its tracks. By because the naked, a per- by the naked, naked bike person ride. on a biker? No, the whole, on the bike? It's not a naked person, Nick. I'm telling you, it's hundreds of naked people riding yeah. together. Do we riding, not have anything better to do with our lives? Riding for clean air. That's their motto. Oh, of course they got a message. That's beautiful. They all have messages. I'm sure they paint the message on their chest. It's on their back. I'm bare for clean air. You know, Rami, you could probably help yourself out in San Francisco. I, bet, not, is, I bet they're doing something like this. Is there I'm not a you. better – like you can't come up with a better idea to go for clean air than, than riding around on a bicycle naked? Is that is that really going to get your message across? I mean, people take notice. I yeah, think, for all the wrong reasons. They're not paying attention yeah, to your message. San Francisco's world naked bike ride. It's, it's happening in know, June. Yeah. We might be conflating the already causation happened. correlation there. Mm. Causation correlation. So, Nick, you've never been in a nudist space? Nope. Okay. Shocker of the year. I've got no interest in seeing yours. I don't want you to see mine. I don't need to see yours. What are we doing? What are we, cave people? You know who sees me, Buck? My wife. That's it. Be running around naked. Who? What? Wh- wh- what are we trying to prove? I don't. I don't get it. Nobody's trying to prove anything. Some people are just comfortable with the human body, naked and afraid. What are we doing? We'd... I've never watched that show. I've watched it. It's ridiculous. It's a bunch of naked people doing stupid stuff. It's hard in the middle Very of a difficult. forest. Yeah. Some of them almost die. The clips on Twitter are funny. Their lips are all chapped. They're, They're in the buck. Bit. Yeah. Just their lips are chapped. You get bit by a spider in the junk. It's awful. I'm dripping wet, buck naked. Oh, God. Who wants to see that? Not Nobody other than Emily. The Macloff magic is beaming when I disrobe. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Just keep it to yourself. It's quite the show. <laughs> We've gone through a lot today, haven't we? <laughs> so here's my question to you. I'm going to have to really yes. have this abridged. Yes. So there's this uh, MMA company called PFL. Yes. And two guys fought late last week. And it pretty much resembled a, a light sparring match because they were two best friends. They're godfathers of each other's children. My question is to you. Could you legitimately fight your friend? Like, could you, if you were an MMA fighter, would you be the guy who could legitimately fight? If I was an MMA fighter and it was our livelihoods, I'd like to think I, I could, that we both could. Okay, if it um, wasn't your if livelihood. If it wasn't, 
if we're wearing headgear, yes. So headgear is the the, the yeah. Line. If we're wearing headgear, yeah. I'm not trying to concuss anybody or knock anybody out or you know leave any long term lasting effects. Oh, you just said you'd walk around naked. That would leave long term lasting effects, and not good. I can't even argue with that. <laughs> And that's how we end this mess. <laughs> Thanks to Kyle and Simone. Good job. Rami, you certainly were here. I was here today. Yes. I showed up. I have good attendance today. <laughs> Maybe I'll be asked to come back tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody, uh, be well. Until then, it's Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sport. I think it was a woman, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm mistaken. Okay. Uh, his or her grandparents were uh, on the Titanic. No, you're joking. No, you're, that's like a butt crack. R- You've no. gotten got. Rami, no, Rami's real. missing a couple details, but the story is correct. What? Here, I have it right you're here. talking about catastrophic events. Oh, okay. Bad things I, can happen. He <laughs> saved everybody. I, I, I appreciate I have my, That's a 100% survival rate, Simone. I love it. I have I love my facts straight. The wife of Stockton Rush, the pilot of the missing there Titanic tour submarine, is allegedly the great-great-granddaughter of uh, two first-class passengers who allegedly. died in the Titanic. Allegedly. How can, if they died, how can you be the granddaughter? Because they had children before they got on the boat. Okay. Okay. I I received that. I'm going to go ahead and find it. (laughs) That just happened. Because it wasn't Noah's Ark. That that right there just happened. (laughs) But they died. How did they have kids? Simone's you know dying if that was no, 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 no. Wow. I was really ready to go there. That was amazing. It reminds me a lot of Wakanda. And then he had said, like, oh, my ancestors got off the ships. And I was like, how does that work? Play your part. Play your part.